And we're back again. It's another episode of Ladies First. I'm Corey. And I'm Elizabeth. And we came back. Like we promised. Uh, this time, though, last time we talked about Black Lightning, this time we're talking about our other favorite show that got released. Finally. It's not like I've been waiting over a year for it. <laughs> <clears throat> Obviously, we're talking about One Day at a Time on Netflix. Yay! Um, it was released recently, and the timing was just absolutely perfect for our next episode. So here we are, and we are pretty much just going to break down season two. Yeah, we had talked about season one previously, which was actually sort of similar circumstances to this one, that it sort of came out and surprised us so much that we decided that we wanted to talk about it. Um, but the first season was a little slim on queer content because it was sort of introduced late in the season, and this one was definitely not, so we feel that it warrants discussion. A lot of discussion. You should go watch the show right now. It's on Netflix. Yes. I mean, it's not just the queer content. There's some other stuff I thought it did really well, too, that merits discussion. So um, let's just go ahead and dive right in because there's a lot to cover. Sure. Okay. Um so why don't we go ahead and start with Elena? Mm-hmm. Which aspect of Elena? I love that I get to ask that question. I know. Uh, really quick, I, I do want to say I really enjoyed how the show pointed out that Lena is, Elena, pardon me, is lighter than her brother. Mm-hmm. And it did that just, you know, very, I thought, deftly, and it was done in a funny way that, you know, it wasn't inspiring defensiveness. Yeah, and just the way it was staged too is that she sort of that she sort of has this epiphany. She's like, "Oh God, am I white passing?" And then Schneider says, "Oh yeah, the guy at the hot dog stand, hot dog stand thought you were my daughter." Yes. <laughs> um, obviously, she calms down from that spiral when she remembers she's you know a lesbian and a woman. But also, you know, Penelope points out this isn't a contest. But I did I did like that they addressed uh, colorism. Yeah. And this you know, was like, that was right in the first episode, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the very first episode. I mean, for me, that's kind of personal because I am obviously, like, white passing. Um, you know, but I have family members who are definitely not. And I thought it was fun how they introduced that and just kind of gently called her on it when she's like, I've never had those problems. And then they're like, <laughs> you know, um, oh, not Penelope, uh, Lydia. It's like, Lydia. Your brother is a beautiful caramel. You are Wonder Bread. <laughs> so I do. I like that her, her her nickname is essentially White Girl, and I just find that so funny. Yeah, but I mean, I do want to give them uh, some some props for that, just because nobody ever really talks about that. Partially because we've never had shows that are, you know, in recent memory that are this layered that they could actually talk about it. With the perfect cast for it, too. Yes. So, I thought they did a really good job. I remember um, Isabella Gomez was actually had commented on uh, that in an interview, because she's friends with uh, Arielle Barrar, who played uh, her best friend in season one. She's currently over on um, Runaways as Gertrude. And she was saying, you know, I'd talk to her, we're best friends, and she'd tell me all these horror stories, 
And I was just like, that's awful. Uh, you know, thank goodness I never get this. And then she saw the script and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's... Little... Go ahead. I was going to say a little moment of self-awareness there. Yeah. So, I, I liked how they did that. I just wanted to give it a quick shout out because a lot of shows really don't touch on that. Or if they do, it is not touched on well. Well, the the whole show deals with issues of race and identity very well, and it attacks it from multiple able angles. Or even things like like the 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 dichotomy between how Lydia sees the potential for American citizenship versus how Schneider sees it. Why they both didn't want to be citizens, but for two very different reasons, or how, and then how they eventually do go through this process and have two drastically different experiences. Yes. So, I mean... Oh, so Schneider, Schneider is an illegal immigrant from Canada, I should clarify that. Yes, the reasons he is balking should be obvious. Um, Lydia's obviously, you know, it's finally having to admit you can never go home again. When you've yeah. carried that hope in your heart for so long, finally having to let that go. Well, I it's mean, specific to to the cute for it's specifically because she's Cuban, right? Is that I mean, it's giving, had... giving up that citizenship has far more symbolism to it than it would for say Schneider. Yeah, and she loved her home country. Um, you know, before she had to leave and Castro came to power you know she and her younger siblings left for the Pedro Pan pro- uh, program mm-hmm. so for her she has very bittersweet memories of loving Cuba but knowing what Cuba became and always kind of holding out that hope that she could come back even oh, yeah. though that's I mean, all her of her family are probably not there anymore so oh, yeah and that's why her and Berto they were supposed to get their citizenship earlier and then ultimately made the, the, the day of the appointment, they ended up not going. They found out they'd have to give up their Cuban citizenship and decided they didn't want to. Yes. So they say, so they stayed permanent residents instead. So, I mean, I, this gets brought up, Elena again, um, and I thought it was very topical because she's now terrified that with the current administration and how out of control ICE is that they would round up Lydia. Mm-hmm. That, you know, being a permanent resident wouldn't be enough of a protection for her grandmother. Yeah, and, unfortunately, I mean, being a permanent resident is not the same as being a citizen. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we live in a time where those fears are... There's substance to them. Warranted. Yeah, so I, I I think how they're able to go from like laying some stuff out comedically and then immediately hitting the crux of the issue to guide mm-hmm. you along with what they're trying to get to ultimately, I think it's very masterful. And with a, a certain sense of humor and even even just like in that that when uh, when Lydia's talking about how her and Berto decided not to apply for citizenship and that she dropped the uh, I like to be in America line. Yes. I, okay. I just, I howled. I gasped. (laughs) If if you don't know, Rita Moreno is legendary for West Side Story. Uh Uh-huh. If you haven't watched West Side Story with Rita Moreno, like, you really, really should. 
it's if it, that'll be my first recommendation for you for 2018 is go watch the old West Side Story. I mean, she's the she's the not an lyrical book winner for holds nothing. up very well. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a it's a musical that has actually aged remarkably well. Well, part of that is because some of our times have regressed remarkably terribly, but whatever. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's still, it's high quality material. It's worth watching. Yes. Um, but anyways, back to Elena. Uh, we can touch on some of that later. Like you said, last season, um, you know, it was her coming out and kind of coming to terms with herself. And then we had Victor, um, you know, her dad leaving her up, up at her quince's. So Excellent. now we come back. And the first time we really start with this again is she's making all of these protest signs because she's going to start a GSA <laughs> at her Catholic high school. And she's making all these pro- uh, protest signs. And there's this little bit I loved where Lydia's like, why do you have to protest everything? We get it. You're here. You're queer. We're used to it. Move on. <laughs> and Elena's... As she's going up the stairs, she says, I think making, I think you being a lesbian has made you angrier. Well, and Elena asks her, she's like, you know, what would you do if somebody told you you couldn't be vocal about being proud to be Cuban? And Lydia's basically like, I kicked them in the balls. <laughs> and you know, and that's the point. You know, you should be able to be proud of yourself. Yeah, and, but you there's... Know, you are. There's a, an underlying motivation behind this, which is what I liked how this arc did not go where I was expecting it to. Also, yes, because we find out Elena is very upset. Um, this is in the middle of one of Penelope's stories, too. We'll get to that later. But Elena is very upset. And for a minute, you think the school told her no. And then you find out the school's like, that's a great idea. We'll give you a snack <laughs> budget. Yep. Okay, so, and the reason why it upsets her, so, um, I, my initial reaction to this was different than what Elena's actual reasoning was. Elena is upset because the school, her Catholic school, um, accepted her face value and actually supported her while her father walked out on her. And he hasn't spoken to her since. Yeah, so she's dealing with the cognitive dissonance of having support from many, uh, many strangers, but not having support from one of her family members, which is a very common experience. Mm-hmm. So, and the way that I originally thought it was going to go when it first started was when I found out that that when they got to the part where they, you hear that um, that school had said yes, I thought that this was going to be commentary on sort of the generational differences between young queers and old queers. Where they're sort of following a playbook that we set up, but in some cases they don't have to hike us up, hike up as steep of a hill because we already hiked up it. Mm-hmm. And so occasionally you, occasionally you have these points where you're expecting resistance and you don't get it, and then you're sort of lost for a moment because you're like, oh no, what do I do now? What do I protest? Which right. there are plenty of things to protest. You just have to keep looking. Believe me. Well, that kind of plays in with the third episode, but I'll get to that. Um... I liked, though, that how they tied that back around was it really was, you know, my Catholic school. Well, let me have a GSA, and they'll even give me a snack budget. But my own father hasn't even spoken to me since he walked out on me in one of my life's milestones. Yep. And that hurt. Yeah, that hurt a lot. Um, that was a little too real. 
I mean, in a good way, but yeah, that was very real. And Isabella Gomez and Penelope, uh, Penelope, uh, Justina Machado both played that very well. Um, you know, even Isabella Gomez says she's like, I came from dramatic acting. Comedy is newer for me. And I think in those scenes, you can really tell that dramatic acting is definitely her primary wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, there's another scene later on, again, with Victor, that she just absolutely killed. But when we really start getting to the meat of, you know, who she is as a lesbian, I think you can definitely see her dramatic training just really come out. Yeah. That's not to say she's not good at comedy. She's very funny at that as well. Uh, you can tell because she says she'll go ask Rita about how to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so you can definitely tell that um, there have been some asks. But I, she just really, really shines. And you can tell she's really paid a lot of attention and done studying to this like how she talks about it in interviews um and just how those scenes go because they're just so raw yeah yeah and this is a well-researched show anyway and it's it comes across very clearly i mean the the cast is is vocal about that too and and the writers but it comes across anyway in context okay this episode this show is so well written and I know they have queer writers on staff because there is some specific stuff that gets written that is just too close to home that makes me cringe. Like, let's start <laughs> with episode three. Uh, you'll have to remind love. me. You'll have to remind me what specific incident you're referring to. Uh well, first of all, I'll I'll get to that. I do I do want to say I really appreciate how the show handled uh, introducing non-binary personalities not personalities identities dirt um because you know a lot of people don't understand it and so they framed it with penelope and lydia are confused and you know elena explains it and she's like they them um z's are and you know she just explained the pronouns to them and they did a funny little kind of riff of a who's on first joke about it. Oh. <laughs> that I absolutely love because it wasn't mean-spirited in the slightest. It was if you're going to find the humor in it, that's how you're going to do it. Yeah, there's... You you have to be very careful about your, your sentence syntax when you're mixing gender pronouns and you have when you need to in order to refer to several different kinds of people. You have to be very careful about the order of your words, otherwise things get very confusing very quickly. Um but also it's like, oh my goodness, these are little tumbler babies. Because it <laughs> yeah. literally yeah, felt they are. like teenagers you would see on Tumblr on the stuff they were like upset about and wanting to protest. Mm-hmm. They were going to go, what was it, Blood Splosion 6 or something? And Penelope's like, oh, is it too violent for you? No, we love that. Oh, no, we love that part. I was just like, oh, God, it's like looking into a mirror that reveals my 16-year-old self to me, and I kind of hate it. And then, you know, they went out to go march, and then, so, yeah, I loved how they introduced that, and we get introduced to Sid. But Sid is not who Elena's eye is on initially. It's on <gasps> Danny. Oh man! Okay, so, so this you know was what I'm so real. To. 
This you know was what I'm getting so to. real. Yeah, I, this was so real. I had to turn it off for like an hour and go do something else because it was just too intense to handle. So we've had an episode before about how bad queer women are at dating. <laughs> if you want to see this like laid bare in the most amazing way possible, you watch Elena fumble through this romance. <laughs> And that's the thing, and I loved how Alex and Lydia were trying to help her and just being supportive of her because she's <laughs> she can't even talk to Danny, and she, Lydia's like, "Why don't you go talk to her?" Because I don't know if she's gay or not. Oh, really quick, I other I also liked how they addressed the predatory lesbian trope. Yes, the um the sound the oh. That sound that girls make when it really means, oh, you think I'm gay. This is a problem. Yes. I really liked how they addressed that of, no, I'm not predatory. I don't know what your sexuality is. And I have no way of knowing unless I say something. (laughs) Because we're taught not to assume. Yeah. So obviously I read that wrong. Just give me a couple weeks. We'll be fine. I'm not... (laughs) Perving on you, I just have no way of knowing unless you're very upfront. Like, oh, hi, my name is blah blah. I'm straight. High school is the worst. You couldn't pay me to go back. But anyway, so she tells Lydia, I don't know if she's gay, and she goes up. And Lydia goes up to Danny. And she's like, oh, I love your lipstick. What is it? Oh, it's just chapstick. She turns around and immediately, walks back to Elena. She's gay. Yeah. <laughs> And then they decide, oh, so true. you know, take this cookie, go ask if you want, if she wants to share it. If she says yes, then there's some interest. So this is actually a thing that works, by the way. It's actually, really good advice. So Elena gets up to Danny before she can really get rolling. Danny's phone beeps. Oh, my girlfriend's outside. Oh, uh, beeps again. Okay. Oh, she got me a cookie. Oh, God. So there's an episode of The Simpsons where Ralph has a crush on Lisa. And there's a point where she finally gets tired of him and she just yells out of in front of anyone, everyone that she doesn't like him. And it's on it's been being recorded on video. And so Bart gets a recording and he's at home replaying it. He's like, look, Lisa, if you slow if you frame by frame it, you can see the exact moment where his heart breaks in half. So this scene, like. After she says the word girlfriend, you just see on Elena's face, like, you just hear this glass shattering sound. And, like, she just freezes, just like, oh. But, but it gets better because up comes Sid. Oh, <laughs> she has a So girlfriend. Sid, uh... Uh-huh. So, so Sid is, a uh, Sid is an, uh, another person in their little group. Who's sort yes. of unassuming and quiet, uh, and that's why Elena doesn't notice them at first. Right. So Sid comes up, and they're just like, oh, she's gay, has a girlfriend, and then the one thing Elena didn't want to have happen, she does to them. Oh! <laughs> but it's not the oh. oh, it's the... It finally twigs in her head that they're expressing interest. Yes. <laughs> God. But it, poor like... Sid is just like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I oh. thought, you know. And then Elaine is like, no, 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 no. Me gay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sid. Oh, it's. 
sick. Oh, can you die? Oh, and then can you die from secondhand embarrassment? And she taps her chest. Mike too, and then they're just like (laughs) doofily staring at each other, and you cut over to Lydia and Alex. Because, you know, Elena's over with Sid, and they're trying to split the cookie with Elena, and Alex and Lydia are just kind of, they're like, holy crap, she's hopeless. She is terrible at this. Well, yeah, because, like, Lydia's Lydia, and Alex is, definitely has the makings of a future ladies' man, but, like, oh, God, yeah, for real. Can you die from secondhand embarrassment? Because, like... I know, I was... Oh, I had to pause it like twice. <laughs> and then I had to go back and rewatch it the moment uh, Elena did the, oh, when you saw it finally twig in her head. And then poor Sid, they're just like, oh, no, I misjudged this crap. God, we're all like this, aren't we? It's so terrible. And it was like everybody else in the group was suddenly forgotten. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The other, the other two that are in there are just like, uh... I also like that despite Elena clearly liking Sid, uh, Elena really, like, so the, the one of the first episodes where they're hanging out after they, I guess, get together, um, that they, they start dating, uh, they're gonna go to Comic-Con, and so Elena fills up her schedule with literally everything there is to possibly do that involves being engaged in an activity so they don't have to talk to each other because she's terrified that she's gonna say the wrong thing. Uh, again, like, you know this is how you know they have queer writers on staff because that is just so achingly true also that they were going to a supergirl super gay meetup and just the name alone delightful that was delightful and then elena and sid were dressed up as the fourth doctor and the tardis yes and you know they can't go to comic-con because there's a manhunt going on in their area they're cordoned inside and for a minute, Sid's just like, I wonder if it's the Daleks. Exterminate. Exter- oh, my God. Oh, wait. This seems like a serious situation. I probably shouldn't make light of it. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she, she pings as mildly autistic to me. They. They. Sorry. My apologies. They. Uh, they, they ping as slightly autistic to me. And I think it's some of, some of it is the body language. But I don't know. I just, I really like this character. Is there sort of... Sort of um, socially awkward, but not in the way that that socially awkward characters are usually presented. It's more endearing than obnoxious. Well, I think part of it is Sid's also homeschooled. Oh. Was that in the show? I may have missed that yes. detail. Uh, no, when the homecoming dance ask goes around, Elena says, thank goodness Sid's right. homeschooled. But uh, I... Sid is just this adorable kind of awkward. And I think it's a very nice compliment to Elena's more acerbic awkward. So I just, I really like the contrast that they have with Elena. Um, I mean, you can see in that homecoming dance when Elena's like, I have no friends. And Sid's just kind of like, I'm homeschooled, and my only <laughs> classmate is my chinchilla, and she's mean. <laughs> and Elena's so, trying so hard to not be just, like, a total, what she thinks is, like, a loser to Sid. And they don't care. They're just happy to be out and at a dance with Elena. And then all of a sudden, Elena turns around and yells at this guy to recycle. 
so you know for Sid I think some of their awkwardness is yeah they're homeschooled and you know also awkward but Elena is I I think more acerbic but it's a nice compliment Elena is more awkward out of insecurity well insecurity and um she's very driven yeah, but it's it's a particular kind of insecurity that spawns from drivenness. It's the desire to be the best at everything. And so if you have something that you are bad at, which in the latest case is all things involving socializing, it it makes you kind of neurotic about it. Yes. Um, I do wish they'd mentioned Carmen at least instead of like, oh, Elena has no friends. But I also know that Ariel was also off on runways. runways. I think what... I think they. I think it was meant to imply she has no friends at school. Yeah. Well, didn't she have that guy friend last time? I honestly don't remember. But like, it's it's clear that Elena has friends because she has the little she has the little gay squad. But like, I think that it was meant to imply that she doesn't have like a regular group of friends at school. Right. Again, because she's very driven and insecure and awkward. But <laughs> Sid likes her. And they get it. Yeah. So it, it kind of works. And we, there's also the whole, from what I'm assuming, Sid in show is white. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're going to play into that like later in the uh, third season or something, if that ever comes up, or if we find out more about Sid and you know what their life is like outside of what we see them with um, Elena. Mm-hmm. But... I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, and they're still pretty young too. So going forward, there's a lot. There's a lot that they could do here, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they committed this hard to this plot line. This like it's. I mean, granted, season two, but this is still very early for a show like this, and that they've they've committed to it fully and approaching it from all angles. So you know that we're going to get some more really good meaty stuff going forward. Yes, I'm going to say something that's not popular, and you can probably guess what this is. I really Uh, hope we get to see Elena with multiple partners. You mean other girlfriends? Yes, or however they identify. I'm just saying partners, you know, to make sure I'm covering my bases here. Right, yes. Um, Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm not saying. I mean, she's what sixteen? She's like sixteen years old. She's a teenager. 16, of course, seventeen. She's, and she's um, gonna date more than one person. I know, and I I adore Sid. I really do, and I think they're good for Elena right now. But also, there's an expiration date on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cute first relationship. Let it just be fluffy. Yes, and I would like to see Elena as she goes through you know other girlfriends and it's like uh you know maybe there's one that penelope and lydia can't stand how do they react to that (laughs) you know maybe there's one where elena's like i have a girlfriend i think i just have a girlfriend so i can say i have a girlfriend but penelope and lydia love her oh no oh that's the worst you know so I would love to see different relationships for, and again, it's not, I'm not knocking Sid. I love Sid. Just realistically, I would love to see 
a lesbian in high school not have to have that one true pairing in high school when that's we know that's not the real world i would like to i see, support this strongly too i would like to see elena go from relationship to relationship as a natural healthy progression of growing up yeah, because, like, most of the high school doctrine we have for queer media is, like, freaking Glee, so. Not and... that we're knocking Glee. Uh, we, Glee we're we're, knocking, we're knocking Glee a little bit. We're knocking Glee a little bit. Okay. Um, so, in Glee, all of the high school ships were endgame canon, and, like, I'm sorry, that is not realistic. Well, I don't care about the other ones. The only one I care about is Britannia. Yeah, but, again, high school endgame, that's, that's like... I give it, them it, enough not... time. I give them some slack because they broke up at least. They still got married at like 22. And like you must acknowledge that this is not like common. Or rather okay. this is not the only narrative that we should have for young people. I know people. but it was one of the first times we got a happy ending. So I'm okay, okay. with that. But I agree yes, with but... you that shouldn't be the only narrative. Yes. My point is we need to move on from that. Yes. Uh, and I think... Part of the problem, we've talked about this before, is we don't have good representation of women with multiple partners ending relationships, finding somebody else that's healthier for them, or finding someone that fits better for them. You Queer know, people aren't allowed to date the way that straight people are on TV. Yes, that and is, I would they love... Are, they aren't allowed to have near misses very often. Yeah, and we talked about that like with Sanvers right now and Supergirl. Yeah. We've talked about that. Um, you know, Black Lightning, uh, Chinua and Anissa didn't work mm-hmm. out. And yeah, I would so. love to see that, you know, the younger kids get kids or teenagers get to see this too. It's natural. It's just going to be a part of your life. You're, most people do not meet their one in high school. I mean, I know I say this when my brother met his wife in high school and they got married but most people, that's not how it works. If it does happen, it's very rare. And if, if it does, it takes a lot of work. And you it have no guarantee so that you... You have no guarantee that the two of you are going to even be the same people in two years, let alone ten. Especially in your early 20s, because you will change a lot. Yes. Especially if you're, like, really into academics or if you go through a, a bachelor's and then a master's program. Like, yeah. The, a relationship surviving that, the odds are pretty slim. So It's not possible, mean, but don't put all your eggs in that basket. Yeah, it's not impossible. Britannia happened. But they're like the 5% scenario. The other 95% of us are not going to meet our <laughs> one true love in high school. And this is assuming you're not polyamorous to begin with. Believe so, me, we all believed we were that lucky at the time, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> So I would, I really hope that we do get to see Elena dating because I do think we need those healthy examples of, yes, this is natural. This is okay. It's just part of life. Because like you said, we don't get to date like straight people do. Yeah. Or even gay men. I mean, uh, let's be real. We don't get to date on TV like gay men get to. That's true, yeah. They have more of a culture of, like, they have more of your traditional casual dating where, like, like you, you don't often see women loving women portrayed as going on a date with somebody, having dinner, and then just being like, okay, that was fun, but there's no spark. 
Yeah, the only place I remember seeing that, like really seeing that, was the L word. But that show was such I a was, dumpster fire. I was about to say, like, actually, the only example I could think of was Jenny and Dana, and it was one of the few things that I really, really liked about that show. Was but it's that not good moment. enough for you to go back and watch the show. Don't go watch the show. No, Most please of that show It's just a, a funny. Toxic, it's a funny scene. Fire. It's a funny scene where, like, they go to dinner, and then they're, like, they're going to hook up, but, like, it's clear that there's no, like, sexual spark there. And so they just start laughing, and they're, like, this isn't working. And so then Dana's, like, do you know how to dance? And she's, or, like, you know, like, ballroom dancing. She's, like, no. And she's, like, oh, well, we could just do that. And so it's just sort of this funny friend moment. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, the, like, that's the only example that I can even think of. I want more things like that. Yes. So, again, it's just natural. It's part of growing up. It's part of you figuring out who you are and who is right for you. And for a lot of people, that's going to change, especially like from your late teens through your mid-20s. That's that's Mm -hmm. natural. That's to be expected. Oh, also, uh, another note on Alayda and Sid. Uh, They got a a really extended kiss. (laughs) Oh, yes. They got a walkover first kiss. yeah, hey, like teens, I, please go back inside. All right, so there's there's a there's a manhunt going on for an armed gunman in the neighborhood. So there's like helicopters flying around all over because I mean the show takes place in L.A. This is not that uncommon. The helicopters are not that uncommon of an occurrence. But uh, essentially, Elena, Elena and Sid get into kind of an argument because Sid feels like that Elena doesn't want them to be there. But of course, Elena does. Elena is just really terrible at expressing this. And so eventually it culminates in them having a sort of, not really like a fight, but you know, like one of those like heated discussion. Yeah. It, well, it's like, it's like one of those, one of those discussions where both of you are upset and your voices are raised. It's not really a fight, but like you're both trying to get a point across Yes, loudly. Anyway, the point is, is that they both end up shouting the right thing at each other. And then it culminates in them getting quite a nice first kiss. Like go Elena. Yes, like Elena went for it. But and so as Sid they're kissing, <laughs> yeah, as they're kissing, the search helicopter light passes over them because they're standing on the fire escape. <laughs> they throw the loudspeaker. They say, kissing teenagers, go back inside. And then Elena shouts, in a minute. Yes. Well, by the way, spoilers. There's spoilers in this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't think of uh, didn't think of that. Well, it's a little bit late for that. We'll put a disclaimer up at the beginning of the <laughs> You know what? I want to be honest. It's been on Netflix for three weeks. Literally every second of Elena and Sid has already been gifted and posted on Tumblr. Good point. Um, I feel like at the point at which the Giffers have completed the entirety of the season is the point where you are allowed to speak of spoilers. True. Um, I do want to talk about, um, before we move on to Penelope, I want to talk about Elena and Victor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we come up later in the season where Alex is meeting with someone secretly and Elena and Sid think it's a girl. So they're trying to figure out who it is and they're being adorable. But of course, we find out Alex has been meeting with Victor and Elena is very understandably betrayed. And Penelope goes over to where Victor is staying and... She's just, I, I don't understand how you can be like this to your own daughter. And we see through that episode of flashbacks of the man Victor used to be before the TBI. Mm-hmm. Or the traumatic brain injury. 
And you could see how much he loved his daughter. They He loved his daughter so much that he re-enlisted after 9-11 because he wanted to keep her safe. So it's just, for Penelope, she can't understand how he could turn his back on her. And that's when Elena comes in and she has this just tremendous monologue where she's like, you know, you taught me something really important and it's to never assume the best of anybody. And you taught me that I'm tough and I have an amazing mother who's going to stand up for me. And you know what? If anything, I feel sorry for you because you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. And that's a shame because I'm a really cool person. It's a very good monologue. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. There's some more to it, but I can't say that much more from memory, and I don't have the exact dialogue in front of me. It was a really good monologue. Baby Gaze, if you're looking for an audition piece for a dramatic monologue, this is your winner. Yes. It's very good. Isabella Gomez, like I said, like, she nailed that. Yeah, And, and it's like, it's a long one, too. Yes, and... We finally get to see maybe a little bit of catharsis there because they fi- Victor finally hugs her. And we find out yeah. that Alex, this entire time he's been meeting with Victor, with his dad, he's been reading his dad the riot act over how he treated Elena. <laughs> and he's- Specifically, this is why he agreed to it, was specifically to try to re-educate him. Yeah, and he even called him a typical cisgender male. So, I I mean, this is your little brother who can't see his dad anymore, but has started seeing his dad and is using that entire time to try and get his dad to come back around to be there for his sister. Yeah. Because Alex is a good kid. Yes. But, again, that monologue. Oh, my goodness. It was really good. Not as good as Justina Machado's in the very final episode. (laughs) Oh, the, uh... But that is an Emmy real worthy monologue there for her. And I'm going to say this right now. If she doesn't get nominated, like, something's wrong. Yeah. But speaking of Justina Machado and Penelope, um, I do want to touch on this and what they did with her this season. I really liked... um, the episode Hello Penelope, where she kind of, she doesn't want to admit to Max, um, her new boyfriend, that, you know, she has to be on medication and be in therapy. So she cold turkey quits both of them. This episode gave me anxiety. And um, predictably, she spiraled hard. Yeah. Partially because that is not medication you go off cold turkey. <laughs> Yeah, especially, like, I, it depends on the antidepressant. Like, some of them come out of your, like, Prozac comes out of your system pretty quickly, so you can just resume doses and you'll be okay, usually. Uh, SSRIs take time to build up in your system, which is good, because the idea is is that if you miss a dose or two, you're not going to bonk off the medication and become unstable. Right. But if you stop taking them cold turkey, like Penelope did, you see her go through the manic phase, and then the memory fog, and then eventually the depression. Yeah, I mean, when she hit her bottom, she hit her bottom. Um, I mean, and they talked, you know, they talk about with Lydia. It's a generational thing, you know, especially with Latinos and mental health issues of, well, you just need to try harder. You know, you just, you need to do this and you need to do this and you can, you know, tough through it. 
What and was that in the first season? There was that joke where, um, where it's a uh, where Doctor Leslie Berkowitz he says to Penelope, he's like, you know, if you had a heart condition, I gave you medicine for your heart. You take it, and she goes, well, probably not that either. I'm Cuban. We suffer in silence. Yes, but it was you know it was played as a joke, but like yeah, it's, it's a cultural thing. It's something that's hard to get over. And I really like that for Lydia, she realized my daughter is hurting and I can't help her. Yeah. And once Penelope finally admitted I stopped therapy and I quit my medication, I have to go back on both of them. I don't want to hear it. All Lydia says was, you do what you need to do for you and I will be here for you. And I love that. This is going to sound terrible, but sometimes it takes seeing what somebody is actually like off of the medication to convince people why you need it. Yes. The other thing I really liked was Schneider was the one who immediately, um, when Penelope was like, oh, I quit taking those too. And he's like, uh, like, uh, the doctor yeah. said you didn't need them? Or, no, I just decided to. And Schneider immediately, because of his past, he's like, I don't think that's something you just decide. Yeah. Yeah, that is, is, that is not, the, not a wise decision. And I like that they touched again um, multiple times on Schneider's struggles with drugs and alcohol. And I thought, you know, that made him rather uniquely qualified to be the person that Penelope went to that could get through to her. Yes. And part of it is she recorded herself on the phone and she played it back and she realized, you know, that is not, that woman is not healthy. And Schneider even says, he's like, I know you would never do that, you know, as far as suicide um, I know you would never do that, but you have to acknowledge that that isn't a place a healthy mind would go to. And he... We kind of glossed over this. What she recorded, she recorded, she's recording an audio diary at the behest of her her friends from her therapy group. Or rather, she thought the idea was stupid, and then in a fit of desperation, gives it a try, and then listens to the recording and has that epiphany of, oh, oh no, this is bad. Yes. Um, and, and But she still doesn't want to have to be on drugs. You know, she says drugs my entire life. And Schneider says, you know, yeah, well, I don't like wearing glasses, but I have to wear them to see. And she's like, well, it's not the same. And he whips them off. He's like, oh, yeah, you want to go for a drive with me? Yeah. I mean, that or, part is true. Or also that he has something that he can't have for the rest of his life. And that's the part I really liked when he started talking about, you know, his addiction issues. You know, I'm, you know, I can't have alcohol anymore. I can't. I know I can't. So when he was talking about like, yeah, I had been like however many years sober and I thought I was doing good. So I'd just have a beer. I knew in the back of my head, it's like, oh, that's not going anywhere good. And it didn't. And they played it for laughs because he's like three days later, I woke up in an alley and then a bowling, a bowling ball alley. hit me in the face. <laughs> and, you know, they made it humorous enough that it didn't go too dark. But when you he's... A three-day te- three blackout bender. <laughs> it yeah. still made it funny. But when he's telling Pen- Penelope, it's like, it's not the same, but I get it. There's something I want that I can't have for the rest of my life. And I get that. Like, oh my god, I get that. They're... Like, I would not kill for a Jack and Coke or a gin and tonic. And I know I can never have that again. Mm-hmm. 
And then he tells Penelope, there's something you don't want, but you have to have for the rest of your life. And yeah, it sucks. But that's the reality. It sucks. I would love to have a gin and tonic or a glass of champagne, but I know I cannot have that again. I know that the show Rick and Morty is kind of a divisive thing, but the speech that the therapist gives in the Pickle Rick episode is actually quite excellent because essentially what she's saying is that taking care of yourself is work. And when it comes to going to work, some people get up and they go to work and some people would rather just die. So if you want to keep living, you got to get up and go to work and going to work is taking care of yourself. And for Penelope, taking care of herself means she needs to be on that medication and she needs to go back to therapy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she finally acknowledges this and that's, you know, when she comes back to tell Lydia, she's like, I have to go back on this. I don't want to hear anything about this tonight. And that's when Lydia surprises her and she's just like, you do what you need to do for you. But that entire episode was just so well done and it was done without being preachy yeah and it's a hard topic to do without it turning into a psa yeah but i really love that they decided with this show that that was something they wanted to keep touching on was you know mental health issues Mm -hmm. you know it's not a one and done and then you're good it's something you have to live with and keep on top of yes you know with schneider he has to he'll he's constantly having to tell him no i can't do this stuff you know there's probably a reason he's so into snow globes and his little bonsai trees yeah because you have to have go ahead you have to have hobbies i was gonna say typically with especially somebody with schneider who had such he had problems with so many different drugs you have like people like that usually end up getting they, you have to get into really into a positive hobby. So you'll yes. often see people who are former addicts who are really severe addicts often are really into health and fitness or really into cleaning or really into collecting snow gloves. And you need to you need to take that part of your brain, the obsession part that's broken that doesn't let you turn it off and direct it towards Channel something it. that's not going to kill you. Yeah, and with Schneider especially, like he was in rehab he has, multiple he has weird times. Hobbies. That's why he has so many weird hobbies. Yeah. He just finds stuff. Because, well, that's, see, that's part of the problem is that he's so rich that he he just has all this free time. And so the way that he stays sober, that's actually probably part of the reason why he got on drugs in the first place. And that that he didn't want to come to the U.S. He was forced to come here by his dad. You know, he was just very upset. And that's a, a, a bad recipe for, you know, somebody with impulse issues. But, like, that's why, he, that's why he just does all these random things, and he spends his money also on the Alvarez family. It's that part of it is just, you know, he keeps himself busy. He needs to do that in order to stay healthy. Yes. And um, also that Lydia is instrumental in his staying sober. And that's why I love that in this season they touched on that, that she was there for him during his a few of his stays in rehab. And that's why he's always over at the house. Yeah, because she came in, she brought him soup, and she says, you eat this, you go to bed, you get up tomorrow, and you try again. Yep. And that was stay four of six in rehab. So he actually did fail after that, but she stuck by him. Yes. I mean, this, and I think this was his fourth time in rehab. He'd been in rehab a lot. Like, you know, Schneider's addiction issues are far more severe than anything I had to deal with. But I, 
a lot of it is very real in how he like he has his hobbies and why he's so devoted to the Alvarez family. Um, I like that they. I mean, you can sort of put those two together. I just like that in this season they canonized it that they yeah. had Schneider just outright say it. And I mean, it's not he's not just essentially part of that family because of that. I you know he genuinely considers them family because you know he didn't really have one. So I well, mean, it's. He- it's that's not just too. to stay sober. It's also because they're his found family, which is yeah. something I love that this show does. They also talk about found family. Yeah, and it's clear that the Alvarezes do occasionally find him not quite annoying, but he tries their patience. But it's very clear that he's just sort of a misfit kid who just, he needs, yeah, he just needs a family. Like, yes. I, Lydia very clearly, clearly senses this, that he just, he needs the companionship that her kind of family allows because he grew up in the kind of environment he, like, he had five stepmothers mm-hmm. he had he had something that was so far divorced from a normal childhood and the way he talks about how cold his father was like it's a miracle he turned out as well as he did and that's saying something yes but oh if penelope needed something or lydia needed something you know he would drop everything in a heartbeat to go for them he did. He took Alex to that baseball tournament last season. Yeah, well, that, I mean, you know, he took on Elena as his assistant, and then he honest, he mentored her. Oh, how her. can we forget? How can we forget to mention that? Yes. Uh, but he mentored her, because Elena mm-hmm. was very brusque in and out, and he sat her down and explained why you can't just do that with these tenants. Okay, back up. You need to explain what it is that Elena did. It's that uh, it's that Schneider needed a new handyman for the building, and Elena decided that she wanted to do this, and so they have her in a tool she's belt. She's like an engineering white... whiz, by the way. Yeah, but they have her in a tool belt, a plain white t-shirt, and Wrangler jeans. She walks in, puts her hands on her hips, and says, I'm Butch. I mean, I know it was an ode to, like, old one-day-at-a-time Schneider, but it it was just amazing. Uh, oh my god it was amazing um, but anyways yeah he legitimately cares about that family and a lot of it is it started through Lydia which I mean we're running out of time so I want to touch on the final episode mm-hmm. um, you know when Lydia is in a medically induced coma because she had a mini stroke mm-hmm. and everybody's getting their monologue time with her and they even said, like the actors even said, the audience was so worked up, the director had to come on and tell them, I need you to not react here. We have to reshoot yeah. this. Yeah. And, I mean, it shows how important Lydia and Rita Moreno are to the show. But I loved seeing how everyone reacted to it. I know, you know, Leslie Berkowitz, he's just like... When he says, I know, oh, I can't remember. Berto was it for you. I think you're it for me, but I'm okay with that. And then you've got, like we talked about Schneider's. um, Schneider's rehab story. Rehab story. And then you've got Elena who's talks about, (laughs) I'm really upset now that I lost my Spanish and I lost my connection to you. And honestly, you're my hero. Elena putting lipstick on her and just being like, now would be the perfect time for you to wake up. Yeah. Because hell, hell has frozen over and pigs are flying. 
And then you have Alex who just does paints her nails, paints her nails, and talks to her about church. Yeah. And this whole Peter and Peter Parker connection he made that blew his mind. And you know he's such a good kid that he doesn't see a thing about you know oh. Abuela has to have her nails painted. She's not going to be happy about this. I got you. <laughs> He's going to be such a good guy like when this. he gets older. <laughs> but then uh, but I love how universal this, this show is. Yes. That but, despite It is about a Cuban family, but if you have... Like, if you had immigrant grandparents, the show is for you. If you didn't, it doesn't matter. The show is for you. It's universally appealing. Yeah. And then, like, we talked about it briefly before, Justina Machado, her monologue as Penelope. Like, we talked about if you're a younger queer lady and you want to do a monologue, you get uh, Elena's from her confrontation with Victor. But, mm-hmm. man, if you're older and you want a monologue, Penelope's monologue in that episode was just, I don't have words for it. It was so good. If she doesn't get, if Justina Machado does not get an Emmy nomination, there is no justice. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm just, I have no idea how she wouldn't get a nomination for that. That was just phenomenal. And Rita Moreno has said she is my absolute favorite screen partner. Do you know how high... Of a praise that is coming from a legend like Rita Moreno <laughs> when she's like, she is by far my favorite screen partner. Oh, I would have died. I <laughs> would have combusted. And yeah, I, I may, up. I'm, I, there, there would be tears and I would be crying probably. Like, this is like, how, where do you go from that? <laughs> I know. One of the only EGOT winners ever is like, they're my favorite screen partners. They're tremendous. Oh. And she is watching Penelope just start her monologue and she still miffed at her mom at Lydia for keeling over in the middle of an argument. By the way, this argument was she'd broken up with Max because he wanted kids and, you know, Penelope didn't want any more kids. So they had a big knockdown drag out argument the night before and then... Lydia collapsed. Lydia, and that's Lydia that and starts. Penelope had had an argument. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, so Penelope starts that, and she's angry, and it just runs this gamut of emotions where she's angry, and then you find some older hurts there, and then she works way around to understanding it, and she's just crying because she doesn't want her mom to leave. And I was just like, oh, that hurts so good. And yeah, then, they threw a lot at you in a half an hour in this one. Huh? They threw a lot at you in a half an hour on yeah. that episode. And then, at the end, we're going to wrap this up because we're running out of time, too. You have Lydia in this kind of, like, limbo sequence. Berto is back. And he's asking her, you know, all of this stuff. You know, and he finally says, is it time and when Lydia says not yet and you hear that live audience erupt. Yeah. And you just go right along with them. It was in that moment that I became fully aware that the audience was in fact a live audience and not canned reactions. 
Yes. Because you, you can't you can't pre-record or fake that reaction. No, and like I said, the director, especially in this episode, the director had to keep telling him, please, please don't, because they were really upset about Lydia being in the hospital. Yeah. So I think it's a case of, like, if you have a live audience, they can help make your show just as much as anything else, because they're cues for the audience at home. Gee, it's almost like the sitcom was the dominant form of of storytelling on on primetime television for decades for a reason i know (laughs) but seriously though when lydia says not yet i jumped up out of my chair and i was going like woo with the audience because i was i was like i can't do this show without her and then the longer that scene went i was like oh my god are they gonna do the show without her I released a breath that I didn't know I was holding, and I was, like, gasping for air, because I was just like, oh my god, I've been holding my breath for, like, two solid minutes. Yeah. And then, obviously, you know, she wakes up, and we end it with Schneider and Lydia becoming U.S. citizens. And by the way, both of them are obnoxiously (laughs) dressed in red, white, and blue. Yes. (laughs) Everybody else is in normal clothes, but the Alvarez is... They're going to go from style. Oh, of course. And, you know, they have this big celebration when uh, Lydia gets her certificate before the officiant is like, uh, we have other people waiting to get there. And they're like, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> you know, because we're loud and we're Cuban and we're celebrating. <laughs> yeah. So overall, quick wrap up thoughts. We have about three minutes. Um. One Day at a Time, Season 2, excellent on queer content, but it's not, it, it's, that's not the only reason you should watch it. If you have any love for the sitcom format, this is the sh- this is it and reinvents it into something that actually is modern. That it uses mm-hmm. that single cam format and that live audience in a show that isn't obnoxiously problematic and something that you have to make apologies for constantly. It's just a joy to watch a sitcom and just to have that kind of happy environment, that sort of, you know, episodic sort of storytelling without having to, you know, mentally edit around it. It's just a joy to it's watch. It's the opposite of Fuller House. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good way of describing it. Yeah. For me, I really like how sensitive it is. Like, it goes hard with the comedy, but it's very sensitive. And There is the- a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And I love that they work modern day issues into it. Like it, uh, it's escapist fluff, but it's very real escapist fluff. Like, if you want to know, like the amazing thing about this show, in an ep- they have an episode that is essentially about gun control, and in this episode, they make the funniest vibrator joke I've ever heard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We don't have time to get into that. We don't, but that's why you should watch the show. Please do. Yes. Anyways, if you haven't seen it already, I mean, we've probably spoiled it for you, but you should definitely go watch it for yourself. Thank definitely. you for tuning in again. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts, um, Unabashed Book Snobbery, Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics, and The Fundamentalists. And, you know, subscribe to us, rate us on iTunes comment below let us know what you think about one day at a time we love talking about it obviously so we do, and there's so much more to talk about i know but the stupid time format anyways we really are running out of time so we will see you 
again in a couple of weeks with our next episode. Thank you for tuning in. We're signing out. Bye.